The Three Brothers Gruff, read by Paul McGann. There were once three brothers named Gruff, who lived together on a farm, far away from the nearest town. Although they were brothers, they were very different from one another. The eldest, Karl Gruff, was incredibly strong. As well as being the oldest of the brothers, he was also the tallest and broadest. The middle brother was called Mecklen Gruff. He was nowhere near as strong as his older brother, but he was extremely brave and was willing to take great risks to bring respect and glory to his name. The youngest was Naysgruff. He was of much slighter build than either of his older brothers. He was not very strong or terribly brave, but he was far and away the cleverest of the brothers Gruff. The three brothers worked well together, each appreciating the talents of the others. Their farm was well run, and every few months the brothers would travel to the town to buy provisions. While they were gone, the workers they employed looked after the farm. The journey to the town was long, but the brothers enjoyed having time together away from the farm. Part of the journey to the town wound through a narrow valley with steep rocky walls that made the whole place seem desolate and grey. The valley was a stark contrast to the rolling open countryside of the rest of the journey. One sunny afternoon, the brothers were travelling through this valley on their way back home. They were in high spirits, having found a provisioner who had arranged for everything they'd bought to be delivered to their farm in the next few days. Free of the burden of carrying their provisions home themselves, they walked through the grey valley without any undue apprehension or caution, expecting to emerge into the rolling countryside in a few hours. But, halfway through the valley, Carl stopped. I don't remember seeing that before, he said, pointing to something a short way up the side of the valley. Mecklen and Ney shielded their eyes from the sun, which was low in the sky and shining along the pass. They could just discern a large, spherical object that was almost as grey as the rocks surrounding it. The way the sun glinted on its textured surface suggested it was made of metal. They approached the sphere curiously, but they'd gone only a few steps when they found their path was blocked. It was as if there was an invisible wall in front of them. But there's nothing there, Mecklen said, as he pushed at the solid air. Carl battered the invisible wall with his huge fists, but it didn't give, even under his assault. We'll just have to go back and find a way around it, Nays said, as practical as ever. But they found they could not go back either. Another invisible wall blocked the way they'd just come. They felt all around themselves, and soon discovered that they were trapped inside a small area. While his brothers were testing the limits of the invisible cage they now found themselves in, Nays noticed a movement. He alerted Mecklen and Carl, and as they stopped to look, a section of the metal sphere, which was just ahead of them, swung open like a door. Out of the sphere stepped a figure. It began to walk towards them. As it approached, it moved out of the bright sunlight and into shadow, and the three brothers Gruff could see it more clearly. A troll, Carl declared. It certainly looked like a troll. The figure wore dark armor 
of a type the brothers had never seen before, and carried its helmet under its arm. Small, deep-set eyes stared out from a head that seemed to be joined directly to the body. As it stared at the brothers, the creature licked a bloodless tongue over its thin lips and gave a rasping sigh of satisfaction. Who are you? Mecklen gasped. The creature's voice was low and guttural. I am Commander Starn, of the Santaran Assessment Survey. And you? Starn paused to look at each of them in turn. You are nothing. You are material to be assessed, that is all. Assessed? Nay said. What do you mean by that? Stan continued as if Nays had not spoken. You will obey your instructions precisely and immediately, or you will be obliterated. He pointed at Carl. You are evidently the strongest. I am, Carl agreed proudly. Good. Then you will be the subject of the first test. Stan lifted his hand, and the brothers saw that he had only two fingers and a thumb. He was holding a small metal device and pressed a button set into its surface before reaching out with his other hand and pulling Carl towards him. Macklin and Nays immediately tried to follow their brother, but they smashed into the invisible wall. Starn had apparently let it down just long enough to grab Carl, then instantly put it back in place. The two brothers could do nothing but watch as Carl was dragged out of sight by Starn. He might have been strong, but it was obvious that he was no match for the troll. Nays and Mecklen waited helplessly, but they did not have to wait long. Soon the troll was back, and this time it was Mecklen that he dragged away. Alone in the invisible cage, Nays set about thinking how he could help his brothers. One thing was certain. There was no way he could do anything while he was imprisoned. So it was that he felt a twinge of relief as well as fear, when he saw Stan returning once more. Nays allowed himself to be dragged across the valley. The troll's grip was incredibly strong. Even if Nays had wanted to, he could not have escaped. If he wanted to help his brothers, he would have to bide his time and hope that some opportunity arose. On the other side of a rocky outcrop, they passed Carl. The eldest brother was lying on his back on a flat rock. Above and around him stood a metal framework, and from this hung a bar suspended by a chain. Carl had his arms raised and was holding the bar. It did not look all that heavy, but the muscles on Carl's arms were standing out, and his face was creased with the effort of holding it up. He could not simply push it aside because the chain it hung from also held the bar above him. A gravity bar, Stan said as he pushed Nays ahead of him. I shall increase the weight of the bar until it crushes him. Why are you doing this? Nays demanded. Why are you torturing him? It is not torture, Stan growled. It is an assessment. If we are to invade this primitive planet, then Santaran High Command must know if the population poses any risk to our forces. This test assesses the physical strength of your species and the force required to destroy you. Around the next outcrop, 
Nays saw Mecklen sitting with his back pressed against the steep side of the valley. A metal disc was attached to his forehead. As the Sontaran pushed past, Mecklen stared at Nays, but Nays could tell his brother did not see him. Mecklen's eyes were glazed, and his face contorted into a grimace of fear and horror. As Nays and Starn moved on, Mecklen suddenly screamed. What have you done to him? Nays asked, trying to turn back. Starn shoved him forward. I have done nothing. It's his own imagination. I've merely reached into his mind and conjured up his very worst fears and nightmares. He nodded with satisfaction as another scream of terror reached them and echoed around the valley. Soon we shall know how brave he really is, and using that information we can assess the psychological impact on your species of an invasion. Ahead of them, Nays could now see what he assumed was their destination. Standing on a patch of level ground was a metal structure with screens set into it. It did not look frightening, but having seen what was happening to his brothers, Nays was sure he was in for the most unpleasant of experiences. Starn pushed him roughly into the chair and gestured to the screen. You will see a sequence of images, he said. You will touch the image that does not conform with the others. Why? Nays asked. It is an intelligence test, Starn told him. I am assessing the mental capacity of your species. We must know your weak points. What if we don't have any weak points? Nays asked. Every race has its weaknesses. Even yours? Starn gave a short bark of a laugh. <laughs> we Santarans know how to turn our weaknesses into strengths. How can you do that? Nays asked. He was sure that if he could discover the creature's weaknesses, it might be useful later. The probic vent on the back of my neck is especially vulnerable, Starn said. But that weakness means I must always face my enemies, which is an advantage in battle. Now, begin. A series of symbols appeared on the screen. It was obvious to Nays which one did not fit with the others. All the symbols had rounded edges but one, which was angular and straight-edged. Nays reached out and was about to touch the angular symbol when he hesitated. Surely it would be better, he thought, if this troll creature thinks I am less clever than I really am. He touched one of the symbols with the rounded edges. At once Nays' whole body felt like it was on fire. He jolted upright in the seat, and his teeth clenched together. An incorrect answer, Starn said, as the pain slowly subsided. You will note that incorrect answers are rewarded with an electrical shock delivered through the chair. Continue. Despite the pain of the shocks, Nays knew that his best course of action was to appear stupid. That way, he would seem to be no threat to the troll. So as the puzzles appeared on the screen in front of him, he made sure to get most of the answers wrong. But a few he got right, because he figured that even someone who was truly stupid would answer correctly sometimes, simply by chance. Every time he deliberately chose a wrong answer, the pain shocked through him. It clouded his mind, making it difficult to think. Nays was worried that it would get so bad he might pass out, and that gave him an idea.
When the next electric shock jolted him upright in the chair, he gave a great shudder, let out a loud gasp, and slumped forward with his eyes closed. His head hit the desk in front of him and came to rest there. Stan grabbed Nays by the hair and lifted his head. Nays kept his eyes tight shut. Weakling, Stan snarled. He let go of Nays, and Nays let his head flop forward again, cracking it painfully on the desk. Nays sat absolutely still for as long as he dared. He thought he heard the Santaran moving away, but he couldn't be sure. Finally, he risked opening his eyes. He sat up, trying to make it look as if he was just hazily regaining consciousness. He looked around, and was relieved to catch a glimpse of the troll-like Santaran disappearing around the next outcrop of rock. Nays got to his feet, and fighting back the pain in his head and the aches throughout his body, made his way after Stan. It was an effort to ignore Mecklen's screams of terror as he followed Starn through the valley. But Nays had to know where the Santaran was going. They passed Carl, who still strained to keep the bar from crushing him, concentrating so hard that he didn't see his brother picking his way cautiously after Starn. It was soon clear that Starn was making for the metal sphere he'd first appeared from. As soon as Starn had disappeared inside it, Nays crept up to the open door. He could hear voices from inside. Were there more Santarans? He risked a quick look round the doorframe and saw that Stan was speaking to another Santaran who looked exactly like him but was simply a face on a screen. Nays stepped back out of sight, listening carefully. Your report is late, the Santaran on the screen was saying. My apologies, sir, Stan replied. It proved difficult to find the right material for experimentation. But I have now acquired three specimens and begun the program. Then hurry, the other Santaran ordered. If we do not receive your assessment report in the next day, the Grand Strategic Council will conclude that the planet poses an unacceptable risk and will abort the invasion. I understand, sir, Stan said. I have some preliminary findings concerning the terrain and climate which I will transmit now. The data is detailed, so the transmission will take some time. After that, I shall continue the assessment. Nays had no idea how long Stan would be busy transmitting his data, but it sounded as if it would be a while. Nays knew he might not get another chance to help his brothers. So, while their captor was occupied, he hurried away from the metal sphere and back along the valley. Carl was still straining to keep the bar above him. This time he noticed Nays approaching and forced a smile. You were always the cl- Nays knew he might not get another chance to help his brothers. So, while their captor was occupied, he hurried away from the metal sphere and back along the valley. Carl was still straining to keep the bar above him. This time he noticed Nays approaching and forced a smile. You were always the clever one, he said. If any one of us could escape, I knew it would be you. Nays examined the metal structure that held the bar in place above his brother. He figured out how he could adjust it in order to be able to swing the bar aside and let Carl get out. But before he could start work, a scream of terror split the air. I'll be all right for a little longer, Carl said. Go and help Mecklen first. 
It sounds like he needs you more urgently than I do. Nays was reluctant to leave Carl, but he had to admit his brother was right. Promising to come back as soon as he could, he ran towards the sound of his brother's... Promising to come back as soon as he could, he ran towards the sound of his other brother's cries. Mecklen was still sitting with his back to the rocky valley wall. His hands were stretched out in front of him, as if he was fending off some invisible attacker. Nays grabbed his hands, but Mecklen pulled them away. It's okay, Nays said, trying to soothe his brother. There's nothing there. It's all in your mind. But Mecklen didn't seem to hear him. He didn't even seem to know Nays was there. Unsure of what else he could do, Nays reached out and prized the metal disc from his brother's forehead. The instant the disc was removed, Mecklen drew a long, gasping breath and slumped forward. A few moments later, he looked up and smiled weakly at his brother. What was happening to you? Nays said quietly. I saw such terrible, frightening things, Mecklen said. He shuddered at the memory. Thank goodness they're gone now. He struggled unsteadily to his feet. Where's Carl? Nays led Mecklen back to where Carl still strained to hold the bar. But their brother was not alone. Stan was standing close by, watching carefully. That troll is so strong, I doubt even both of us could fight him off. Mecklen whispered as they ducked out of sight. I think I might know a way, Nays said. But we need to rescue Carl first. Stay here, Mecklen said. As soon as you get a chance, help Carl. Then, before Nays could stop him, Mecklen stood and walked towards the Santaran. Commander Stan, he shouted as he approached. The Santaran swung round and stared at Mecklen. You, he exclaimed. How did you escape? Maybe you're not as clever as you think you are. Or maybe we're cleverer than you think we are, Mecklen said. Stan slowly approached Mecklen, pulling a small metal tube from his belt. There was no doubt from the way he held it and aimed it at Mecklen that it was a weapon. Suddenly the tube spat fire, and Mecklen dived to one side, just as the ground where he'd been standing exploded. I thought you were a brave warrior, Mecklen said, getting back to his feet. Instead, you hide behind a gun. I hide behind nothing, Stan snarled. He pushed the metal tube back into his belt. I shall kill you with my bare hands, if that is your preferred method of execution. He strode purposefully towards Mecklen, who backed slowly away. Nays pressed himself into the shadows behind the rocks. As Mecklen passed, he glanced at Nays and smiled thinly. A few moments later, Starn followed. His attention was fixed on Mecklen, so he did not see as Nays edged out from where he was hiding and ran to Carl. Quickly, Carl gasped as Nays reached him. I can't hold it up any longer. As fast as he could, Nays loosened the sections of the metal framework that were holding the bar. It seemed to take forever, with Carl grunting and straining all the time and the bar slowly slipping lower as his strength failed. But at last, Nays was able to swing the top section of the structure aside. The gravity bar crashed down, narrowly missing Carl's head and clanging against the rock beneath him. At once, Carl was on his feet, breathing heavily and flexing his tired arms. We must help Mecklen. Wait, Nays told him. I know how to stop the troll. But we need a weapon, something to hit him with. 
Carl grabbed a section of the fallen scaffold and wrenched a length of metal free. Will this do? Nays nodded. Perfect. Together they ran to Mecklen. Starn had caught up with Mecklen by this time and was holding him tight around the neck. His back was to the other two brothers as they approached, so he didn't see them coming. Mecklen was struggling to break free, but to little avail. The troll's strength was more than he could resist. Nays gestured to Carl to be ready to hit Starn with the metal bar. Then he focused on the back of the Suntaran's neck. He had no idea what a probic vent could be, but the word vent suggested an opening of some sort. Sure enough, Nays spotted a small hole right in the center of the troll's thick armored collar. There! Nays yelled, pointing at the hole. Hit him there! Hearing the voices behind him, Starn grunted angrily and tried to turn, but Mecklen held him back. Carl hammered the length of metal into the back of the Santaran's neck with a resounding clang, and Starn let out a strangled gasp. His legs gave way, and he collapsed, releasing his grip on Mecklen. Is he dead? Mecklen said. His voice hoarse from where the Santaran had held his neck. I don't know, Naze admitted. Let's see if we can carry him back to that sphere. He talks to other Santarans there on a screen. They said that if he doesn't report the results of his assessment, they won't invade our planet. Well, then we have to make sure he doesn't report, Carl said. How do we do that? We smash the screen, Nays told him, and anything else we can find. The Santaran was heavy, and the three brothers were all weak from their exertions, but they managed to carry the troll-like creature back to the sphere. They dumped him on the floor inside. Starn groaned, but did not wake. Where is the screen? Carl asked, hefting the heavy length of metal, which he still held. Nay showed him. Carl swung the metal bar, and the screen exploded in a mass of fragments. Behind the glass, wires and cables sparked and fizzed. Carl swung the metal bar again, hitting out at the controls and readouts. More sparks flew and soon the interior of the sphere was filled with smoke. We'd better get out of here, Mecklen said, coughing. Carl swung the metal bar one more time. Something exploded, and he jumped back. A noise filled the sphere, a steadily rising hum of power. I think that might have been something important, Nay said. Come on! He led them quickly out of the sphere, smoke billowing after them. The humming noise grew louder and rose in pitch as they ran down the steep side of the valley. When they reached the bottom of the valley, they at last looked back and saw that the sphere was glowing a deep, fiery red. Carl grabbed his brothers, one in each huge hand, and dragged them down to the ground. Moments later, the metal sphere exploded in a ball of flame. I don't think Stan will be making his report now. Nay said. Mecklen chuckled. So, no invasion after all. Good, Carl said. Let's go home. So, laughing and joking, as if nothing at all had happened, the three brothers Gruff set off along the valley towards the open countryside and the path that led back to their farm. <laughs>